This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. Jumping Bomb Audio Podcast, all about Doshi Pro Wrestling. I am Aaron, and I am joined by my co-host, Taylor. What's up, Taylor? Hi, Aaron. How's it going? I'm happy to be here. It's a fortuitous uh, time for me to have a a co-host on this podcast who also hosts an AEW podcast, uh, because the big news of the Joshi Week had to do with AEW. That's right. It's it's funny, because the reason that I really wanted to do the AEW podcast was because I thought it, it was going to be a very heavily Joshi adjacent promotion. And then COVID happened and there were like no Joshi wrestlers anymore. <laughs> so it's been kind of a bummer from that perspective. So this has been nice that there's this, uh, this new tie in. Uh, and yeah, we're going to talk a lot about, uh, about the tournament today. All right. If you are uh, not following us on Twitter yet, please do at JBomb Audio. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Taylor's at Tay Mambo. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast uh, so you get these as soon as they come out. Uh, if you use the Apple Podcast app to subscribe, give us a five star rating and a review. And if you'd like to donate to the show, you can do so by going to redcircle.com/slash/shows/slash/jumping-bomb-audio. We are going to talk about the AW Women's Tournament. We're going to talk about uh, stardom and the new matches we know for their Budokan show. We'll also talk about just what they've been doing uh, recently, what they've been up to, uh, and their Corquin shows that are coming up. Uh, And among talking about all the other shows that have happened recently, actually, there haven't been a ton of shows that have happened recently, but we're going to talk about those. We'll talk about some other stuff that's coming up, and we're going to get into the Joshi representation in the VOW match of the year poll so a lot to talk about today um by the way if you're a if you're really excited about the aw women's tournament uh we're going to talk about it here but we're going to go more in depth i suppose on all the the people involved as if you don't know who any of them are we kind of assume that your average listener to this show has a baseline understanding of most of these folks but if you don't then taylor and i are going to be doing an episode on the Everything Elite Patreon that dives more deeply into uh, into these women. And you can also go to voiceofwrestling.com. Taylor wrote an article that is a primer on all of them. So lots of content to help you get up to speed on uh, the AW Women's Tournament. The Everything Elite Patreon is patreon.com slash everything elite. Um, Taylor, the AW Women's Tournament, we're going to start there. Uh, here are the, the entrants. Aja Kong. Yuka Sakazaki, Veni, a.k.a. Asuka, Emi Sakura, Ryo Mizunami, Mei Suruga, Rin Karakura, and Maki Ito. What, what was your initial reaction to seeing this lineup? So I think it was an interesting mix of some people who I think if you were uh, sort of 
betting or guessing who would have been in it. Obviously, Emi Sakura, who has been in AEW, has been very, you know, even on the Choco Pro shows, gets introduced often as AEW superstar, Emi Sakura. Uh, Yuka Sakazaki is another one who's been around AEW. Uh, Ryu Mizunami, you know, was in Wave, went freelance, and it appeared for a time that she was going freelance so that she could make more appearances in uh, AEW. And then, of course, COVID struck. Um, So this is a good way to get her in. I think the biggest surprise for me is probably Rin Katakura, who seems um, just less connected sort of to the world of either what AEW has been doing or sort of the Emi Sakura uh, verse, you know, expanded universe of Emi Sakura. You know, Veni or Mosca has been on Chuck Pro shows. Mizunami's been on Chuck Pro shows. Obviously, Mesa Ruga. Um, a very obvious Choco Pro contributor. You know, Maki Ito, uh, a great surprise, but is a Tokyo Joshi person. So makes sense that she would be here. Uh, But I think overall, you know, unless you were to somehow sort of break down these barriers, these political barriers between, um, you know, companies and promotions and people and things like that. I think this is one of probably the stronger, if not the strongest lineup you could sort of put together. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to it. Supposedly, uh, everything has already been filmed. Uh, they filmed at the Ice Ribbon Dojo uh, with no uh, fans there, obviously in attendance. Don't know whether it will have commentary by someone in Japan and someone in America. Uh, not sure, but but really great news. And there was a lot of excitement uh, in a lot of different places, not only sort of in the Joshi, the regular Joshi circles, but also in the larger, in the world at large. Uh, people excited to see these new wrestlers get a chance uh, to see some people who have gotten some big hype, obviously, on this podcast. Asuka, uh, I have been hyping her up for weeks and weeks, if not months and months. So uh, I am really looking forward to this. I think it should be exciting no matter, you know, who wins, who loses, who gets to the finals, what happens. I think it's going to be really good for AEW and also for the people in it and the world of Joshi. There's, you know, there is some connection in that Nyla Rose has worked marvelous in the past. So I don't know if that's the the tie-in for uh, Rinkarokura. Uh, I can't, I was going through her cage match and Nyla's name doesn't pop up uh, immediately. Uh, oh no, here's one. Yeah. In um, August of 2018, Rina Yamashita, Rin Karakura and Sari versus Kuri, Mio Momono and Nyla Rose. So I don't know, maybe Nyla's a big Rin Karakura fan. The, uh, the wishing or dreaming part of my brain, I guess it's really part of my brain that likes to punish myself. Um, is like, oh, if Takami Aroha was healthy, would this have been her instead? Yeah, I thought th- I thought the same thing. I mean, you figure it would be because I don't know if it was the Nyla Rose connection, if Nyla just, you know, emailed, you know, Chigusa and was like, hey, we need someone. And she said, okay, I'll give you Rin. Um, I would assume if that was the case and Takumi was healthy, it would have been her, obviously the big ace of that, uh, of the marvelous promotion. 
Uh, but this is what I sort of talked about when Takumi went down and Rin had just come back, which is that this is really the opportunity for Rin to shine in a, you know, in a singles environment. You know, they were in Neutra together. Uh, Rin got injured for 15 months. And that was, that was to me when Takumi really took off as a singles wrestler and now sort of the shoes on the other foot where now Takumi is injured and it's Rin's opportunity. And obviously this is a big um, opportunity on a big stage. You know, obviously we don't know where this is going to air most likely on YouTube uh, or something like that, but still a chance to get a lot of eyeballs, not only on Rin, but hopefully if she's impressive, maybe some more eyeballs on Marvelous, which, you know, as I've talked about on this podcast, I'm a big fan of, and I think that they are um, underrated in a lot of circles. So, so an exciting, an exciting sort of left field entry as we were, as you know, as the names were popping up on the screen, I was sort of like, Oh yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 And then I was like, Oh wow. You know, a big surprise. Absolutely. The, Interesting thing to me is there's going to have to be some interpromotional matchups as this thing progresses, right? I mean, you, you could start off doing, you know, Yuka versus Maki, Emmy versus May, uh, Mizunami versus uh, Reen, and Aja Kong versus Venny as like the freelancers. But as we progress toward like a final on that side, there's going to have to be some interesting matchups that we've never seen before. Yeah, some interesting matchups we haven't seen before and also some uh, maybe some threading of, of the needle in terms of, you know, Yuka now is not the is not the champion in Tokyo Joshi anymore. You know, that could be – it might not be the only cause. It could be a cause of her losing the title on the 1-4 show that they didn't want her losing as champion. I don't know how protective they are of – her in terms of outside. I mean, this is something we really have not seen, which is except in AEW, obviously, which is a little bit different going against, you know, people like Britt Baker or something like that, where it's a little bit different. Um, but we haven't really seen some of these people go out and be in the, in the greater Joshi world. Um, so it will be interesting to see. I mean, I think there are a number of people sort of set up in this tournament who to me can lose and probably are in here. I mean, someone like Emmy, you know, might get to a second round, but could get to a second round to lose to someone a little bit bigger. I mean, Mizunami, you don't know where that, you know, being freelance, she doesn't have any obligations to, you know, have to win X number of matches. So yeah, it will be interesting to see. And it's a, it's something that looking at the names, I don't see, to me, there isn't a clear cut. And I don't know if you disagree, Aaron, there isn't a clear cut winner to me in this group. Um, I think there are people who probably have much stronger chances than others. I think obviously Aja Kong is um, really in any probably tournament she would be in. She would have a big advantage, um, but it's, we're going to get a lot of questions answered as to what AEW actually thinks of some of these people. Is it just a time burning? Okay. We need some content here or is there any interest in getting some of these women into the promotion, introducing them to people 
you know, so when you open or when you can get them over, they're already established. I don't know what that answer is, but it's going to be an interesting however many weeks or, you know, episodes of of the tournament. Absolutely. And I can I agree that it's hard to figure out which way they would go. Um, obviously, whoever wins has to come to America to face uh, whoever wins on the U.S. side. So I think that limits it to people who have probably been to America before based on visa. I think it would be really hard to get a visa. We talked about this on on Everything Elite uh, this past week, but I think it would be very hard to get a new visa right now if you don't have a current one. So, however, several of these people um, have either been to America recently or in the case of uh, Veni or even Maki Ito, maybe had visas to come to uh, Tampa for WrestleMania before that got canceled. So there's more options, I think, than you would initially imagine at first glance. Um, yeah, to me, and I think, oh, and I also think the people who, to me, that I look at this list and I go, well, they're probably not going to win are sort of the people who, you know, I think Rin is a great entrant. I think she'll do very well. I don't think she's probably going to win. May Saruga, same thing. I think she'll be great. I think people will really like her. You know, doesn't seem super likely. I think probably, you know, Aja, Yuka, Veni, Emmy, you know, are in that top tier. And they've all either appeared in AEW or, as you talked about with Veni, have were planning on coming to America um, last year. So, yeah, I agree. But it would be a little different if it was like, oh, the favorites of the tournament. You know, this person is a favorite to win, but they don't have a visa. Um, but I think it lines up well with if you don't have a visa, I also don't really see you going far in the tournament anyway, um, which I think adds a little bit of further intrigue to the whole thing. Yeah, to, to me, the favorite is Yuka Sakazaki. She's already been introduced to the AW crowd. They seem to be behind her when she could come there. It felt like she was going to be traveling to America more often. Um, and as you mentioned, she lost the Princess of Princess title. So she's open from that perspective. Um, so she's my favorite probably to win. I think uh, the next most likely is probably Aja Kong because she's also been introduced to the AEW crowd. And she's kind of... You know, if you imagine that the U.S. winner is like Riho, for example, an Aja Kong versus Riho match uh, is interesting from like a big versus small, you know, uh, perspective. But honestly, I think you're underselling Emi Sakura's chances to win this side of the bracket. I could imagine them running back Emi versus Riho as the the finals of this tournament. Yeah, it's also a thing where you you also sort of have to consider what's happening on the American side, which we haven't really talked about because it's not Joshi, except for obviously Riho. And you think, okay, maybe Riho is going to make it. I mean, I think someone like, as you talked about with Yuka, if someone like Britt Baker were to, you know, make it to the finals, someone like Yuka would be very interesting. They have a history in AEW with the whole um, incident with Yuka losing a tooth. Um, in their previous match, and then Yuka um, upsetting uh, Britt, there would be some history there. And then, of course, if, let's say, Britt were to win, 
you would then have, you know, the heel, obviously, Britt Baker going up against Sheeta, who's a, a face. But my question always is, in a situation where Aja Kong doesn't win, then the question becomes, who knocks out Aja Kong? Because that's going to be a big win. I mean, part to me, and this is partially sort of my own um, beliefs, but I would think, and I've said this on the show before many, many times, Venny, to me, is a star, and my booking would be that she and Aja Kong meet in the semifinals, I guess you would call it, whatever the the second-to-last round would be called. And we have seen on a show very recently that Venny can suplex Aja Kong. It looks very impressive. It looks very cool. And to me, that could be a sort of big moment. You could build up Aja Kong as, oh, Aja Kong is beating whoever she beats. You know, she beats this person. She beats this other person. Oh, she's unstoppable. She's unstoppable. And then you can have someone like... Venny, who we can see can sort of work with Aja Kong, can make it sort of look like a fair fight, um, suplexing her and sort of moving very quickly and doing all the all the things that she's very good at. And I think that that would be a big sort of feather in her cap. But the question is, I don't know if these people, as I said, are in this tournament just to have bodies to fill or if there's anyone in this tournament who AEW is looking at and going, we want to get started on this person and really get behind them so that when they can come here, we can really push them. That would be what I would do with any, I would have her win the whole thing and say, Hey, you're freelance, come to America and, you know, stay, you'll get a title shot. We'll, you know, do whatever X, Y, Z, and then you can stay and be a part of the division. But I don't know if that's AEW's end game with this, or they're just trying to get one, sort of match out of this. See, that's interesting. The idea that you could bring Venny over and just maybe have her move to the United States uh, and, and, you know, be a part of the promotion. That would, I mean, I would love that. Uh, I mean, I would miss her in Joshi, but I watch AEW every week. So it'd be nice to, uh, to see her around. Um, to me, you know, you've got a quarantine for two weeks on both sides of this, of this move. So to me, it doesn't make any sense to bring someone over and not have like a, a prolonged period with them. You know, I, I'm assuming that if somebody comes over, they're going to have 30 days of, of programming while they're, uh, you know, in America. That's what I mean, just to be living in a hotel for a month <laughs> on both sides of this, uh, I would want to have a, a pretty good little run in between. And as you said, you can kind of set some stuff up that will be useful um, when they're able to come back more freely. So, yeah, I don't know. It's all fascinating, right? It's like, who knows? I don't know where they're going to go. There's a lot of cool ways they could go. Um, and it's easily the most interesting thing in the AEW women's division in a very long time. All right. Well, that's the AEW women's tournament. I'm sure we will have coverage of that uh, here as well over on Everything Elite as uh, the tournament progresses. So now we're going to talk about stardom. We'll start with uh, the Stardom Budokan show. Um, well, just to like kind of run down the card of what we know. A lot of this we already kind of knew, but this is now the official card so far. 
Uh, Utami Hayashita versus Sayakami Tani for the red belt. Mayu Iwatani versus Yoshiko. Momo Watanabe versus Nanai Takahashi. Julia versus Tom Nakano in a hair versus hair match. That will also be for the white belt uh, if Julia is still the champion. Azumi versus Natsupoi for the high speed title. And then the Legends Rumble, or, or whatever they're calling it, with uh, Yusuke Aikawa, Yoko Bido, Miho Wakizawa, uh, Hiromi Mimura, Momoe Nakanishi, Koguma, Haruka Kato, and Yuna Manase. So uh, I guess the only new match is Julia versus Tom, right? As far as a match we didn't even know about the last time we recorded. Yes, and the and the um, few names, the few new names announced for the the Rumble um, were also new. But all the other ones were sort of we suspected or heavily thought that that's what would happen, and it is what happened. Um, now, Aaron, is there anyone of the names announced that you're particularly excited to see in the in the Rumble? Because I saw Hiromi Mimura, uh, and I'm very happy to see her back. Excited to see some. You know, wrestlers who haven't been around for a while. I know Yoko Bito, uh, a lot of people were excited for her. Uh, but anyone stick out to you in that in that list of names? I mean, I'm definitely excited to see Yusuke Aikawa after we you know spent time watching the uh, beginnings of stardom, and she was so impressive. Uh, yeah, Hiromi Mura stood out to me. That she's that's like the first um, Joshi retirement, I think, that I watched. Uh, you know, that I was watching in real time as she retired. And I just remember how heartbreaking it was because she was basically like, man, this is really hard. And it was like, I wasn't very, basically, she was saying like, she didn't feel like she ever got very good at it. Uh, and it was just kind of heartbreaking. <laughs> and she was talking about everybody kind of lifting her up along the way. Um, yeah. So uh, excited for her to get like another, another moment. Um, yeah. Those would probably be the ones that stand out to me the most. I mean, to me, shaping up to be a really... Uh, a very strong card. Um, we'll have to see. We have a couple more. We'll have probably have a tag title match. We'll probably have the SWA. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know if you agree, Aaron, but I think of a, a very strong card, um, you know, considering obviously one curl they were thrown, which they can't use Pyrie. Um, but yeah. Oh, I think this is an excellent card. I think it's, as you said, other than not being able to have Kyrie Hojo, this is about the strongest card they could have put together so far. I mean, you know, the Azami Natspoi, maybe there's not a lot of, of heat behind that, uh, but it should still be good. But everything else is like, I'm pumped for it. I mean, this adding a match like this uh, Julia versus Tom hair versus hair match, I think really just uh, ratchets everything up a few degrees. I mean, where this is a story that, uh, you know, was a lot of fun, was very heated and they had some great matches. And now you add in, you know, this new uh, stipulation where I guess somebody's going to get their head shaved after this match is over. And it's uh, just turns the emotions up a lot. So, I mean, I'm really excited for this. What I want to know is how the hell am I going to get to watch this card? <laughs> Uh, you may never know. I was I was joking earlier, uh, talking with some people that uh, maybe someone from Seedling can go in and stream the show uh, on the Seedling website, uh, maybe from like the fifth row or something. 
in order in order to see it live because there's been unless I've missed something there's been absolutely no discussion on uh, how anyone will be able to uh, see this show I think it would be incredibly disappointing if it turns out that they are just going to upload it in their usual way I think for us as Joshi fans I think even maybe even bigger than that is this is going to be a show that is going to probably get some people outside of the world of Joshi talking. They're going to say this promotion is, you know, running Budokan. It's the same thing with this upcoming Noah Budokan show. Probably some people who don't watch Noah will check it out because it's not, you know, it's Budokan. It's a big show. It's in a big venue that a lot of people don't run. And I think to not to say to people, oh, uh, the show will be available in four to five days, to someone who doesn't watch the promotion regularly is just sort of saying to them, you won't watch it. In four or five days, to someone who doesn't keep up with the promotion is a lifetime. They've moved on. It'll be the weekend. They'll have other shows to watch. Those shows will build up and you'll go, well, this is old news. I've already heard all the results and everything. I mean, I think it would be a huge mistake. I don't know why they don't stream. You know, obviously this is a bigger deal than, you know, live streaming Shinkiba first ring shows. Um, so even if this is the only show that they stream in the next, I don't know, six months live, to me, you got to find out some way to put this somewhere where people can watch it. Every other Joshi promotion is able to stream internationally. It's insane for this promotion not to. And it has to, it's not just three or four days. It has to be live to capitalize on international interest in it. Obviously, they're going to do the same, I would assume, the same pay-per-view thing they've been doing for Japanese fans. But they've got to do something internationally. And look... I would pay a, a pretty penny to watch this show live. So they almost couldn't price it too high for me to uh, to pay to watch it live. So, um, yeah, it'd be a real bummer if everybody has to wait uh, several days to watch this. Yeah, so we'll, uh, I guess we'll keep our fingers crossed. I don't know if there's really anything else that we can really do except for sort of hope um, and pray, although the fact that nothing has even been hinted at nothing's been talked about is is not a not a great sign uh to me no absolutely not uh well let's talk about what else has been going on in stardom of late they've had what five shows over the past couple of weeks uh but let's let's hit the the high points of those shows taylor they started off uh january 24th with a double shot in osaka yeah, so we briefly touched on those last episode because they had just happened as we were right. recording. Um, I watched both shows. I thought they were really fun, quick shows, um, didn't overstay their welcome. I really enjoyed on the afternoon show, uh, the Starlight Kid, Saya against Tom Nakano and Unagi tag match. I thought that was a super fun match. Um, and then after that match, uh, Tom... Uh, thought up the idea of the seven-match series uh, for Unagi, 
it, it was very funny because she suggested it in the ring. And then from somewhere outside the ring, um, Rossi said, I'll think about it. And it was subtitled on the, um, on the video file. He said, I'll think about it. And Tom was like, well, great way to kill the momentum of me proposing this idea. And you just saying, I'll think about it, <laughs> uh, which was, um, very funny, but both shows very easy to watch. If you have some time, you know, nothing's going to blow you away. There's not a match of the year, but very fun. You can get through them easily. Um, good venue at Edian Osaka too. Uh, and then the one thirty show, which was the bigger show had uh, Himika Natsupoi against B and Konami, uh, which was a Oedo tie match. Um, and I'm sure you all know what that means. Um, and then at the end, uh, Natsupoi was pinned to lose the match. Himika challenged uh, the Oetai team to another tag title match. They said, well, we just beat you. Um, and Himika said, but I wasn't pinned, so I would like to use my other partner. Uh, and that has been granted. So Himika and Micah will be getting a tag title match. And then at the top of that card was uh, the Momo Shuri SWA title match. I really enjoyed this match. Um, I thought that Momo and Shuri have sort of similar, not identical, but very similar styles, wrestling styles. And I thought that they uh, meshed very well. I went four stars. Aaron, I think you were a little less positive on the match than I was. Yeah, it didn't, didn't blow me away exactly. Uh, I thought it was good. It's just, I don't know. I just didn't, uh, it didn't get to that level for me. It was like it never really got into that uh, second gear. But it's probably because these, I'd say at least in ring, these are my two favorite people in stardom. So I expected it to be like a four and a half star level match uh, just based on, you know, there was a decent little build for it. There was some heat to title match. Uh, on the other hand, they're in like this kind of new town that they don't really run that much. So perhaps uh, it's not uh, that big of a deal. But uh, so I, it was probably a victim of my own expectations, if I had to guess. Uh, the other event on that 130 show was there was a tag between uh, Donna Del Mundo and the Cosmic Angels. Uh, Julia pretty much spent the entire match uh, no selling Unagi's offense afterwards. Uh, Julian Tom got into it about that. Uh, then, of course, later, one of the big sort of news items of the week was Julia in uh, Shupro uh, talking about Unagi, saying she's a bad, you know, I'm sort of just summarizing the points, but, you know, she's not a talented wrestler. You know, she's embarrassing herself and the company with her wrestling, uh, which, of course, led to um, on the February 6th show, which just happened, uh, Julia against Unagi in that seven-match series, uh, Julia winning that. But that was sort of the um, – it was all sort of wrapped up in this Tom uh, reignition of the Tom feud as well. Uh, Aaron, I don't know if you know this or read about this, but I just did have to drop uh, this little factoid about the February 6th show. Um, in a match, there was a match that was a four-on-four match between Donna Del Mundo and uh, Oedo Tai. Uh, obviously, Julia not on 
the side of Donna Del Mundo because she had the match with Unagi. But the winner of the match, Saki Kashima pinning Natsupoi. <laughs> and I don't believe any podcast has ever or will ever talk as much about Saki Kashima as we, as we do on this podcast. But another huge victory <laughs> for Saki Kashima after many months ago, she beat Julia the first to give her a pinfall loss uh, and now beating Natsupoi randomly in this match yeah who's heading into like a title shot on the big budokan show i will never as long as i live understand the booking of saki kashima so yeah i don't know that uh just wild (laughs) just wild uh and then i at the end of the two six show the show has not gone up yet um but tom and Julia were in the ring. There was a challenge for a, it was at first believed to be a hair versus title match that Tom would put her hair up and Julia would put the title up. On the 2-7 show, it was confirmed that it is a hair versus hair match. So both sets of hair are on the line for the Wonder of Stardom title if Julia still has the belt. Now, I'm assuming she will still have the belt. I would highly doubt she won't but i'm curious as to if julia lost the belt would they just do a hair versus hair match for no title i don't know probably not important um but that was made official a 2-7 show the 2-6 and 2-7 show most of the show has not made it up on stardom world so i haven't seen any of it yet but it seemed to me like announcement of the julia tom match was the big event of both shows See, I honestly thought hair versus title is a, was a more interesting match uh, because it seems hard to believe that Julie is going to lose her hair in a match uh, just because she's like the major focused on star and the promotion. And, you know, this is an idol promotion. <laughs> and, you know, also she came into the promotion with like short hair and has obviously been growing it out, you know, the whole time that she's been in stardom. So uh, it makes it hard for me to believe there is a world in which Julia loses this match and, and gets her head shaved. Um, but it's also hard to believe that, like, it's hard to imagine Tom getting her head shaved. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, it's certainly interesting. I'm I'm into it, especially because the, you know, Budokan, at least the top of the card now, obviously we don't have the tag title match yet, but I'm assuming that the tag title match is not going to surpass any of those big four singles matches we talked about. I would imagine it would be some in the middle of the card. So I am happy to see sort of a stipulation in this match that gives it, that differentiates it a little bit from the other singles matches on the card. Obviously, one is for the title. Uh, Tommy and Saya is for the title. But, you know, just a sort of a little bit of variety at the top of the card, break up these four singles matches. So I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm sure that they're going to go all out, you know, being a combination of at Budokan, a big stardom show, and now a hair versus hair match. I'm sure that they will uh, do their best, and they've already had some great matches as it is. So uh, I can only imagine how good this match uh, could be. What do you think should go on last at Budokan? Hmm. You know, it's tough to say. And I think, because I looked at the Stardom webpage to confirm all this stuff, 
They do have Utami Saya listed first at the top, which to me, I don't know if it's a guarantee that they think that that is the top match or if that's just the match that they've happened to put first on the website. It's tough to me to say because I think that Mayu Yoshiko is – it feels to me slightly bigger. I don't know if there's any world in which Saya Kamatani wins the title from Utami. It doesn't seem like a thing that stardom would do. You know, and there is the connection of, you know, you might say, well, do you want a main event – your biggest show with someone who doesn't even come from your promotion, but there is some history there. You are talking about, Hey, it's the big, the big 10th year anniversary of the promotion. They have already started doing sort of these celebratory things. They had Mayu um, against Saki Kashima on one of these um, shows in the past few weeks. And they showed a little video, sort of a history video of both of them in the promotion. So they've already sort of started this big celebration of 10 years. I would main event with Mayu Yoshiko. Mayu is the big long time um, person in the promotion. There's history there. They've been there or Mayu has been there the whole time, but I would understand if they want to headline the show with their top title and say, this is the biggest deal because it's for the title. Yeah. But I agree that Mayu Yoshiko is the biggest match on the card it also would give you an opportunity to split up those stardom seedling matches uh you could do you know momo versus nanai and then do you know your two your white belt red belt title matches and then headline with maya yoshiko uh, but yeah it's i mean i i saw utami refer to the match as the main event which of course she may be doing regardless but i think it would really be a choice of out of those four matches to put utami versus saya on last i mean if to me if i wanted the red belt match to be the main event i would simply have booked a better match for it (laughs) i mean as i said last time i think that they were put a little bit uh, i mean i think if this is utami kairi hojo obviously that match is is main eventing clearly it is a little bit if if it does main event it's a big sort of like throwing, you know, we're throwing you in the deep end here. You know, obviously Utami has main evented many shows. I'm not all that worried. Um, her, you know, Saya until last month when she challenged was largely sort of hanging around the mid card. You know, she was in a lot of those uh, future stardom title matches, uh, which she didn't win. And as we've talked about on the show, I think that she's got a lot of potential. I don't think it's there yet. And you're now asking her to sort of skip, you know, instead of saying, well, we've got time, just saying, okay, it's you. She could go out there and, pull, and you know, hit everything perfectly and do everything great. And I'm sure it could be a fantastic match. But, you know, there's always the possibility that, you know, put in a big spot that you're not used to, that it could, it could under deliver. I don't think it would be bad or, you know, it's not a disaster, but there is the risk you run sort of ending your show with a match for the title that people, it ends and people go, "Hmm, okay, that was sort of interesting. Yeah. If we have to put a stardom title on top, which of course, you know, it's, it's good to main event with your title matches, 
but to me, the Julia Tom match is more um, guaranteed to be a really good match. Obviously, it's going to have high stakes and heat. Uh, and, you know, it ends with somebody getting their head shaved <laughs> at the end. So Yeah, I um, think in, in that case, in the worst case scenario, let's say the match is just fine and everyone says, oh, it was fine. You at least then end the show with the image of someone getting their head shaved. Yeah. Which is, you know, sort of a strong image to, you know, end with someone holding up whoever, whoever wins holding up part of the hair or something like that, uh, yeah. I think would be a good end. But, you know, Utami Saya could come out and it could be a great match and, you know, that could be that. I think they're certainly capable of it. Um, but, you know, we'll see especially. <laughs> and then the other thing is not only main eventing, but if Utami Saya is not the main event, Mayu Yoshiko is going to be the semi-main. And then you're asking them to probably follow a match that will probably be very, very good. Yeah, that's, it's a, it's a very the tough spot to be in, for sure. I mean, you're going to be asking them to follow three matches, which, you know, the Mayu Yoshiko match, Momo Nanai, and Julia Tom, which I think all have a capability to be very, very good. Any of those three of those, I could easily see being a sort of match of the year contender type match. And I could see more than one of those being a match of the year contender match. And then you're going to follow with, the, you know, Tommy Saya. It's just a lot of pressure. You know, it's a big risk. It's a lot of pressure to put on to a newer champ and a fairly newer wrestler in the promotion in general in Saya. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase 
by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. All right, let's look at what's coming up for stardom. We'll just kind of do all stardom here in this one segment on the show. Uh, well, on, on February 10, we're going to have the the big, on the big seedling show, we'll have the Nanai and uh, Risa Nakajima versus Momo Atanabe and Saya Ida. And uh, you've put in the notes that the show is going to be streaming. It is. It just came out today. Uh, when I originally wrote up our notes, I wrote in big capital letters, will it air? Uh, and it was announced it will stream. It will stream on Seedling's usual Seedling Live platform. Uh, so you will have to purchase it for, I think it's like $33. It's 3500 yen. So it is a little bit pricey, um, but Seedling doesn't run all that many shows. Um, and with that big match in it, you know, I certainly will be uh, checking it out. Looking forward to that. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a fantastic match. Yeah. I mean, it's a little tough because that's what Tuesday night. Uh, I don't yes. Know now you, yeah, you can also, if you do purchase it, you can then watch it on demand if you want. So it isn't just live. It isn't live only. Uh, which is a good thing. That's usually what I those seedling shows is I purchase them. And then I think they keep the on-demand um, option up for at least a couple of days, I think five days or something like that. Um, mm. So you will have some time to watch. Or if you don't purchase it live and you end up later deciding to watch it, you can just purchase the on-demand viewing as well. So it's, at, oh yeah, well, it's, at, it's at six o'clock. So yeah, it's going to be on at like 4 so, a.m. Yeah, 4 a.m. Eastern Eastern time, yes. yeah. So I will not be watching that live. <laughs> For sure. I was like, oh, that'd be really fun to watch live, but then, no. Okay, and then on uh, the 11th, uh, the second match of Unagi's seven-match trial series against Azumi, and then we have, you know, we talked last show about, oh, wow, they're doing so well with uh, one Korokuin a month. Uh, by God, they're going to run two Korokuins two days in a row on February 13th and February 14th, Taylor. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's interesting. You know, obviously, they also have this 8 p.m. Um, sort of, it's not a curfew, but 8 a.m. sort of limit, which has limited the uh, Dragon Gate Korokins and the New Japan Korokins. You know, it will be a little tough with that because I think with these sort of rules of the 8 p.m. stuff that, I think it will become even trickier to get people into Korokin. I know that New Japan has really struggled. Of course, they run, you know, dozens and dozens seemingly of Korokin shows every month. Um, but it will be interesting to see. And I think looking at these shows, considering that they have Budokan in just about two weeks or two weeks from when these shows will happen, these are pretty pretty strong cards, although a lot of the matches don't seem to be in too much doubt uh, for me in terms of results. Yeah, I think that's fair. They got strong 
pretty strong matches top of the card. Um, let's talk about, let's do the 213 Cork one first. Utami and Momo versus Saya Ida and Ruaka versus Gokigen and Lady C. Uh, Maika, Himika, and Natsupoi versus Konami, Natsuko Tora, and Saki Kashima. Sai Kamitani versus B Priestley. Mayu Iwatani and Rin Karokora versus Tom Nakano and Sayaka Unagi. Uh, Shuri versus Azumi for the SWA title. And Julia versus Starlight Kid for the Wonder of Stardom title. So, yeah, the top two matches there, good title matches. Um, and then, you know, you get uh, the interest of uh, Rin Karokora coming over for uh, a shot here. So, uh, yeah, there's interesting stuff here. Yeah, Rin Katakura, I believe, becoming the third person to work both Stardom and AEW behind Riho and B Priestley. Um, I thought that the I think the Saya B match is interesting because obviously B um, had that elimination match where she ended up the victor and she called out uh, Utami. I don't know. Maybe there's. Um, I don't know. Maybe they do something crazy with this match. It just seems like such a, you know, Saya is the big contender. B said, I want to be involved. I don't know. Maybe they do something uh, wacky there. Don't know. And I think the two top matches, I don't think they're in any doubt. I think Julia and Cheery are both going to win. But they, to me, on paper are going to be, I think they're going to be exciting, strong matches. You know, Azumi and Starlight Kid, I think are both great. I think they'll put on great matches in a sort of bigger spot. So I, I'm looking forward to both of those matches. And then on the 14th, we've got uh, Gokigen versus Lady C, Momo Watanabe versus Ruaka. Uh, poor Momo just stuck down at the bottom of both these cards. Uh, Shuri and Natsupoi versus Natsuko Tora and Saki Kashima. The third match of the Sayaka Unagi uh, seven-match trial series. This one's going to be against Mayu Iwatani. So the match... The night before is kind of a uh, a preview match. And then uh, Azumi and Meiho Shizuki, the tag team that uh, at least I've been crying out for, versus Starlight Kid and Saya Ida. Uh, a four-way match with Utami, Sayakami Tani, uh, Julia, and Tom Nakano. And then the main event is a tag title match with B. Priestley and Konami taking on Himika and Maika. Yeah, so I think this card a little less... Um a little sort of less strong than the first, obviously only one title match. Uh, It'll be interesting to see who comes out of the show with the tag titles. And I would assume either on the show proper, someone will come out and challenge, or maybe um, a few days later, we'll get that tag title match for a Budokan. And like you, Aaron, Azumi, Meho, Shizuki, I'm very excited for that duo going against Starlight Kid and Saeeda, so that should be a really um, fun match. So so still uh, sort of less stacked than the first Korokin, but still a lot to look forward to on this show as well. And then they'll be at Shinkiba First Ring on the 20th and 21st as they march toward Budokan. So where does that put us on... The Budokan. I guess that's like still like two episodes away. Yeah, and so Budokan we'll, we'll is in a, the is in the middle of the week as well. It's on a Wednesday, so, so we'll I do a full preview, I guess, on the next episode. Yes, that would make sense. But yeah, unfortunately, that show is going to happen right after we've just recorded. So there'll be like a week and a half until we record again. 
wait a minute. Well, we were, um, yeah, no, it'll be, well, we'll see. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> time is confusing. Dates are confusing. Time is confusing. Oh, okay. No, no, no I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay, we'll record on the 21st and then on the 7th. So yeah. On the 7th. So it will just happen now. Of course, if it airs live in any manner, we'd be able to do it. If it doesn't. Who knows it'll be up on the seventh? Who can say? Yeah, true. What a what a fun thing to think. What a fun thing. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into the VOW uh, 2020 Match of the Year poll. Uh, we're just going to be talking about uh, the Joshi that appeared on the poll. Uh, I guess I was pretty surprised, Taylor, that there was so much Joshi, and we had our. Highest finish ever for a Joshi match, right? We actually had two matches finish higher than any Joshi match has ever finished. Um, you know, as I was looking through, as those as the articles get dropped, I sort of scrolled through. I saw Mizuki and Yuka Sakazaki at 18, and I was like, wow, by one spot, you know, the best. And then I kept scrolling, and it was Mayu and uh, Takumi Aroha at 17. So uh, very, very exciting and also very interesting, uh, and we'll talk about in a second, in terms of the number of votes, the first place votes for, for these sort of different top three matches, I think, you know, um, some got more votes, but less first place votes. Uh, the thing with the most first place votes actually finished in the third of the three um, of that grouping. So um a lot of interesting stuff, but I was very happy to see so many um, near, I believe, nearly 50 uh, Joshi matches throughout the list, uh, which was super exciting to see. Um, I was very excited to see the number of promotions um, and then just the sheer number of matches. It was it was it was very cool. And I'm glad to see Joshi sort of improve its position every year over year now. For sure. Yeah. I- I'm not very good at counting, but I think there's 48 Joshi matches that made it. Uh, and we had six that got first place votes. So pretty cool. Uh, yeah, the the top one, 17th, Mayu Batani versus Takami Aroha from the February 8th starter. So, so the first matchup between those two uh, got no first place votes, but it was on, but it got 21 total votes. Uh, Mizuki versus Yuka Sakazaki from November 7, Tokyo Joshi, two first place votes, 19 total votes. And then 25th was Mayu Batani versus Takami Roja, the second match from October 18th, which got three first place votes, uh, but 11 total votes. I know you and I talked several times, Taylor, uh, about which of those was the stronger. And I don't know, people that I talked to mostly liked the first one better. And that I guess that was overall the the uh, consensus. But there were certainly people that were more passionate about the second match between the two of them. Yeah, it was interesting because we had a question on our, I think, sort of year-end episode that we did asking about what do you think will happen in terms of um, a match placing high on this list. And I thought that Mizuki Yuka Sakazaki would do very well because it got people talking. It was near the end of the year. Uh, It sort of satisfied all those requirements that a lot of high-performing Joshi matches have had in the past years. I figured that the Mayu Roja matches would sort of cannibalize 
themselves as people were split between them. Uh, it felt sort of like it still did, but it didn't matter because, you know, I think the, the, the later match, the October match, getting three first place votes, but only 11 total votes, but the other one getting 21 uh, was, was sort of interesting to see and that they both still managed to place to place very high. I think that was um, very, that was surprising to me. Um, other than that, um, you know, Stardom also did well really throughout the list. You know, I always worry about promotions like Gato Move had a similar, I had a similar worry that they have so many matches, so many matches that get talked about throughout the year as, oh, this match is good, this match is good, this match is good. Does it end up being so thinly spread that, you know, everyone sort of has their own match of the year in stardom in Choco Pro? That does it end up hurting them, but it in the end didn't really, which I was really happy to see, you know, that sort of thing doesn't affect a promotion like New Japan because there are so many voters so I was glad to see it didn't really affect stardom too badly because I think the good thing is we're Joshi matches in polls like this, this poll and polls like this are starting to get a, a better volume year over year of people voting for Joshi matches. Yeah. And it wasn't just uh, stardom this year because I'm looking at this breakdown of promotions by points that uh, Jeremy Sexton put together for, uh, voiceofwrestling.com stardom was the the runaway winner among Josie promotions with 358 points but these promotions also got votes tokyo joshi gato move seedling oz academy ice ribbon the kagetsu retirement show marvelous pure j sendai girls and one lonely point for diana which was provided by me <laughs> i knew I, that i, I actually am... saw that I saw that match on the list and I went, oh, that's Aaron's match. <laughs> yes, the, the Diana Respector has logged on. Uh, yeah, only, but I was the only one to vote for it. But so it's interesting to me, A, that all those promotions got a lot of votes and at least Stardom and Tokyo Joshi are kind of what you would expect. But the the Gato Move representation is wild. Uh, they got 10 matches on the on the list. Uh and that was the sixth highest of any promotion. So only New Japan, WWE, AEW, Stardom, and Noah had um, more matches than Gato Move on the list. So they outdid Dragon Gate, DDT, All Japan, and everybody else. So pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, as I talked about, I think they had a great year. They certainly deserved it. As I said, I was a little bit concerned about you know, my match, I know that my Choco Pro match of the year was different than yours, Aaron, and it was different than some other people that I had talked to. And there was sort of a, a spread if you look at the if you look at the results in terms of um, a handful of the matches got first place votes, but you can see sort of a number of those number of matches that it was sort of different people voting for each. Um, but I was happy to see uh, so many, because a promotion like that, it can often be very tricky uh, to even get on the list. I know in years past, there have been some Gato Move matches that have been very 
uh, hyped up or people really enjoy them that didn't make it on the list or, or made it, you know, just at the very bottom. Um, so I was happy to see, I mean, got to move the number one match. They got 68. So they were in the top 75 um, matches of the year, which I, I think is really great and a, and a reward for the strong year that they had. Absolutely. So uh, pretty exciting, a, a good, good result. So hopefully it'll just improve uh, next year as we go forward. Anything else that you thought was interesting from the, the VOW list? No, I was just, as I said, I was happy to see so much, um, you know, Joshi as we move forward year over year, you know, every year I sort of think, well, it's going to be even harder uh, to sort of top what happened last year. I mean, um, last year, uh, that Arisa Nanai hair title hair versus title match uh, was 19, which was the highest finish by a long, I think by a long stretch. Cause I think the previous year had had the Aja Kong Hikaru Shida match, which had finished 35th, um, which might've been the highest Joshi finish. So there was quite a jump. Uh, but of course, as you get closer to that sort of top 10, it's going to become harder and harder uh, for sort of a Joshi match to break through as you start contending with, you know, Wrestle Kingdom matches, you know, certainly New Japan matches or matches that just um, get a lot of hype. But I certainly hope with things like the Budokan show, you know, I certainly hope that Stardom can air that live because I think if they air it live, I think, um, you know, one of the matches on that show could really have a big breakthrough in terms of getting a lot of people talking and maybe end up on the list. Uh, But we'll see what happens next year. Hopefully uh, maybe a top 15 uh, Joshi match next year. Let's go top 10, baby. You're going, you're not even, you're not, you know what? Why don't we just get the number one match of, of the year? (laughs) Oh, Um, okay. Calm down a little Taylor. (laughs) I'll just, I'll just tell rich that I'll help him out with the uh, tabulating. (laughs) <laughs> and any New Japan match that finishes first, I'll just change it to a Joshi match. Yeah, just delete. Uh, love my love my job as the VOW match of the year tabulator, where I'm deleting all the New Japan votes. <laughs> I'm okay, sure people let's... wouldn't find that suspicious at all. <laughs> New Japan just didn't appear on any ballots this year. Weird. Uh, okay, well, let's uh, do our Spark Notes section. We've already talked about stardom, but let's talk about uh, some of the other uh, matches that have been going on or shows that have been going on the past couple of weeks, a pretty light two week period for, for Joshi generally. Yeah. Not a ton of big um, shows. There were some shows still, some of them um, didn't make tape or just made tape. Um, Oz had a show just a few hours ago, um, headlined by Maya Yukihi versus Yumi Oka. Uh, they also announced that they will be doing, on their uh, March 7th show, they will have a match. Sona Kokado, Akino, Kaho Kobayashi, and Maya Yukihi will be in a tag match that will be decided by lottery. Uh, the winning team of that match will then go into a singles match with uh, Oz Academy's Majaten rules. And essentially what that means is the winners will have a one-on-one singles match with a 10-limit a 10 minute time limit. Um, and if someone can win in that 10 minutes, they will get a Oz Academy title shot against Mayumi Ozaki at 
uh, Oz Academy's big April Corican show. So that was the big announcement there. Tokyo Joshi had a couple of shows. Uh, their first one was the January 30th show, which was Starting Point. Uh, that was the one that was on pay-per-view. They held it on uh, mats instead of in a ring like they used to do at the beginning of the promotion. I checked that show out. Uh, I think it was a fun show, certainly a different uh, style to what you're used to seeing in Tokyo Joshi. And I actually found, you know, I think a lot of people have watched uh, Gato Move Chuckle Pro matches and you sort of think of the same thing being on mats. Chuckle Pro sort of has two layers of mats in there um, in Ichigawa Chocolate Square. So it is. there is a little softness there. The um, Tokyo Joshi mats seem to be very thin and directly placed on the ground uh, and seem like it would not be fun to be, you know, to drop onto those. But it was a fun show. You know, I don't know if it was, you know, it was a pay-per-view, so it did cost money to see. I don't know if I would totally recommend it um, unless you're sort of interested in the in the mat wrestling. Uh, but a fun show. They also had a show on the 31st and one on the 7th, February 7th. They announced that they will be running a tournament called the Two Princesses Max Heart Tournament, which will be a tag tournament. The first round will be on February 20th. The second will be on the 21st. And then the remaining rounds will be on March 6th. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, Sendai Girls had their show on January 25th, which was headlined by Chihiro Hashimoto and Mika Iwata versus Dash Chizako and Hiroyo Matsumoto. That match actually is on YouTube. I haven't watched it yet, uh, but Sendai Girls put that match up on YouTube for free. Uh, Diana had a show on January 31st. It did not make tape that I'm aware of. I don't know if it's going to make tape, uh, but it seems like it probably should make tape because big news, uh, sorry to Aaron, uh, but the 3A team of Ayame Sasamura and Rina Shingaki defeated the luminous team of Miyuki Takase and Haruka Umasaki for the tag titles. So we have no! Yuki, Diana. <laughs> so sorry, Aaron. Uh, really a shocking, and I'm surprised that it hasn't. I looked on uh, Nico as well. Didn't see it listed there. I don't know if I missed it somewhere. Um, but I would like to check out that match because it sounds like it would be a good match between four people that uh, I really enjoy watching. No, they, um, should, act- they should delete it and pretend it never happened. <laughs> Just wipe it from the record like old NWA uh, yes. title losses. Luminous forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of tag um, team wrestling, uh, Actress Girls on January 28th, uh, Kakaru Sechiguchi and Miku Oeno uh, were victorious in the semifinals of their tag tournament, which are coming to a close. We'll talk about that in the upcoming shows. Uh, Marvelous has had an interesting uh, few weeks. As I talked about on the last show, um, Hibiki on the Marvelous shows had taken a loss in one of the matches and then had left. Uh, The promotion tweeted out that she had gone home and she would be missing the show on January 18th. On the January 25th show, 
She interfered. She came back. She returned. She interfered in the main event, uh, caused a no contest. The match ended, I think, only after three minutes. Uh, her hair was dyed blonde. She came back. She cut a promo. She really dug into um, the other marvelous wrestlers, getting very personal um, in her insults to them. Um, a lot of people, I think, thought it was all sort of the storyline. It seemed sort of clearly a storyline to have someone dye their hair and return to a show and interfere in the main event because they did not restart the the main event match. Um, but then a little while ago, um, there was a video with Hibiki and Chigusa Nagayo where Hibiki apologized for everything that had happened. So it seemed like it's possible that whatever storyline they were working on has possibly been dropped. Um, it's not entirely clear what is happening, but I guess we'll have to sort of keep our eye on Marvelous as they have this Hibiki story. They have the Gaiaism um, feud versus Sendai girls happening as well. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, Chaco Pro, the best bros of Mesuruga and Bali and Aki, successfully defended their Asia Dream tag titles against the team of Chris Brooks and Yuna Mizumori. That was actually an in-ring show that took place at Shinkiba First Ring, so a little bit of a different style from then, from from them. And then Pure J uh, had the finals of their Princess of Pro Wrestling mini-tournament. Akari defeated Momotani to become the new champion. She takes over for Suzuki, who had uh, vacated the belt. So that is uh, everything that happened um, in the last two weeks of Joshi. Coming up, uh, we talked about stardom, uh, and we mentioned Seedling. Seedling has that show on the 10th uh, with that Seedling stardom main event. They also have an interesting semi-main event, which is Nanai, I believe, has said that the factions are no more. So it is a semi-main, a six-person tag. Uh, with a bunch of faction, different faction members teaming with other um, members from uh, different factions. So we'll see what happens there if the factions return or if they're done away with or what the plan is with there. Then another big show coming up this week is the Tokyo Joshi Korokin Hall. They have another Korokin Hall show Um the card is Marika Kobashi and Moka Miyamoto versus Palm Harajuku and Harun Neko. Uh, Yuna, Mana- Yuna Manase, now Kakuda and Raku versus Hikari Noah, Mahiro Kiryu and Sena Shiori. Yuka Sakazaki and Mizuki versus Suzume and Arisu Endo. Miyu Yamashita and Maki Ito versus Saki Sama and Mei San Michelle. And then a Tag title match, Nadoka Tenma and Yuki Aeno versus Shin Ultra Shoko and Hyper Masao. Um, an international princess title match, Yuki Yamafuku against Mirai Mayumi. And then the main event, the Princess of Princess title, Rika Tatsumi versus Miyu Watanabe. Aaron, are there any matches you're especially looking forward to on uh, that Corkin show? I got to say, the top at least the top four matches uh, sound quite good. Um, here's the question. Is this a better card than either Stardom Corican card? Um, 
I think the first I think the first Stardom Corkin card is pretty good. I think you might have an argument for the second one for the for the uh 14th show. Uh but it's certainly close and certainly, you know, very surprising to sort of see. I mean, this is a very stacked uh Tokyo Joshi show I think because they've done very well in getting a lot of these people sort of up the card in terms of, you know, certainly uh Yuki and Mirai Mayumi are two big successes, you know, bringing in May Sam Michelle has been really great. Maki Ito has gotten better. So I think this is a, a very strong card all the way up and down. Although, Aaron, we have not talked about um, yet what could be possibly the biggest news of the entire week of Joshi is that Yuki Kamafuku will no longer be coming out to Old McDonald had a farm. Yeah, this is almost as disappointing as Luminous losing the, the Diana tag titles. Um, I don't know. I always thought it was uh, very charming and very weird. And I think Kamiyu is also very charming and very weird. So it fit her uh, like a glove. Uh, you know, it also added to her uh, Southern Ohio uh, <laughs> vibe that she has. Um, so I'm a little bummed about it, but I guess I guess she's becoming a big star now. So she has to uh, put childish things aside. Well, I will... I, I will skip over the fact that you said Old McDonald had a farm is somehow related to living in Southern Ohio. Um, <laughs> but we she did used have to live in we, Ohio. I know she used to live in Ohio, but what does that have to do with Old McDonald? Old McDonald is like a worldwide song. song. I mean, but it's about a farm, you know, it's like rural. Sure, but there are farms in many places. <laughs> <laughs> When I think of farm, the first place I think of is not Southern Ohio. No, I just, uh, we have, perhaps I'm just uh, unable to divorce myself from the ongoing bit that uh, Mike Spears and I do about uh, Kamiyu being um, particularly Southern Ohioan. So probably it's just bleeding over from my other show. Sure. And I will say we did have, I think we had two separate episodes where we debated whether old McDonald had a farm should remain or not. I think we both came down on the side of it should remain. So I yes. think we, I think we both end up with some egg on our face as they uh, get rid of it. But as she said, you know, people enjoyed old McDonald and she hopes that they enjoy the new uh, theme song just as much. Um, but we, we will see uh, what happens there. Uh, and then, of course, about, what about this uh, title? Man? I mean, what are the chances you think of, of Miyu walking out as the princess of princess champion? I don't know. And it's so funny because I think the first in the January Corkin show really put things up in the air where, of course, I think we both went in thinking, OK, Yuka's going to win. This will just be another notch under her belt. I don't know. I can't get a good... I think it's a little bit tougher to get a good read on these sort of people who are in terms of the booking, I don't mean in terms of talent or anything like that, but in terms of the booking sort of not at that top level, like someone like Miyu Yamashita, when she has the belt, you can sort of feel she's going to hold it for a certain amount of time. You know, they're going to build up someone big to take it from her. I don't know. I, I mean, I think that they would want to keep it on Rika for at least a little bit longer uh, just to give her a little bit of a rain. I mean, this rain, if she lost it on the 11th, that would be, you know, a month and a week. 
or so. Although, as I said, now that they've already done it, I wouldn't be entirely shocked if Miu ends up victorious and they really sort of, you know, give her that final sort of push up to the top of the card. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would hate to guess at this point because, yeah, I was so caught off guard by Rika winning in the first place. But I would like to see her get a more uh, drawn out uh, run as champion. So, but it's, that's kind of the fun thing is when Yuka was champion, you know, I felt pretty confident usually that she was going to win. I mean, I even did when she lost, but this feels more up in the air. So it's kind of a more, more exciting title match here. Well, and I think, and also the, I think the international princess is the same way where I could see it ending. I could see it ending both ways. Uh, I think that the old McDonald, the, the retirement of old McDonald to me seems like a hint that they might have Yuki keep the belt. I don't know. What do you think, Aaron? Uh, yeah, I think Yuki, if she were to lose this title, it is to shoot her up uh, to go after the Princess of Princess title, I think. I feel like she's becoming a big a big deal. That's what I see happen. Like, I think by the end of this year, she's going to be... Uh, if she hasn't been champion, she's going to be like in the in the running to be Princess of Princess champion. Yeah, I could see it that she loses it, and then her next move's challenging somehow for the Princess of Princess at the next. I don't even know they have a March Cork, and I think, but I don't know when that date is. So it may maybe not at the next Corican, but maybe at a Corican down the line, I could certainly see her challenging if she were to lose. Uh, this match and lose the title yeah uh i agree uh you could do it you know later uh you know with their big shows in like july right um or no i made that up that big show they do is in november um so and you got a long time to try to figure it out but uh, she rules and yeah i think the old mcdonald thing is a way to make her like more of a serious star maybe uh, not feel so much as like a low to mid card type uh, wrestler. So I expect her to just keep moving on up. Yeah. So another big show and, and um, another promotion having a big show. Ice Ribbon has another Corican coming up on the 20th uh, with a lot of big matches, you know, with Ice Ribbon, of course, we always say if it makes, uh, if it airs live and we can see it, we certainly will cover it on the next episode. Uh, but you never know. Um, the, the first match is Suzu Suzuki is going to take on Yuko Miyamoto. That's an interesting match. It is the beginning of a seven-match series for Suzu Suzuki of hardcore matches. Uh, so that will be a hardcore match against Yuka, Yuko Miyamoto. That should be really interesting. Uh, Risa Sara against Itsuki Aoki for the Fantast Ice title. Um, I don't believe they've announced the stipulation for that yet. Um, it will be interesting to see with another hardcore match already on the card, whether they go a different direction. Uh, Maya Yukihi and Maika Ozaki will take on Uno Matsuya and Cherry for the tag titles. And the main event uh, for the Ice Infinity title will be Tsukasa Fujimoto against Rina Yamashita, which should be a very good match. A very strong Corkin. Uh, I'm really looking forward to. I hope it does air live uh, on Nico because I would love 
to check it out. Sounds like a strong show. Um, Aaron, a little bit of a, a bandage for you. Diana is doing a, a dojo show on the 14th, which features the main event is Keorito, Jaguar, Yokota, and Andres Miyagi in a, a three-way match. And also on the card, Aiko Sato and Sakushi will go up against Luminous. They have lost the titles, but they are not disbanding quite yet. Uh, the team of Haruka Umasaki and Miyuki Takase. Uh, Actress Girls, as we talked about, coming to the conclusion of that tag tournament. And the tag title match will be Spice App, Tehanma, and Mika Ozaki against Kakaru Sekaguchi and Miku Aoino. And Marvelous has a show on the 12th. It is Mio Momono's fifth anniversary. She will be in the main event uh, going two-on-one, Mio Momono and Mei Hoshizuki versus Chihiro Hashimoto. So that, a continuation of the uh, everything going on with the Gaiaism. Uh, Sendai Girls feud uh, in the semifinal, Makoto Shindo versus Hibiki, something to keep your eye on. Uh, in terms of that storyline we talked about. And a fun match uh, opening the show, Kaoru, Kaoru and Asuka versus Rin Katakura and Maria. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, and then Chuckle Pro just recently announced their show on the 13th will be an AEW special, uh, which is very exciting. Uh, two matches. They're calling it a double main event. Uh, the first match, Ryu Mizunami versus Yuna Mizumori. That should be really good. And then the second match, Mei Suruga and Balianaki, the best bros, will go up against Emi Sakura and Asuka with a special referee, AEW champion Hikaru Shida. So that looks like it will be a lot of fun, a really good show. Happy to see, you know, we've seen a little bit of Riho, uh, Back in Gato Move, Chaco Pro, happy to see Hikaru Shida um, getting a chance here as well as she is in Japan briefly uh, for all the AEW tournament stuff. So that is everything uh, that's coming up. Uh, a lot of big, big shows coming up in the next two weeks. We'll have a lot to talk about on the next episode. Absolutely. I can see. Well, I don't know that. I'm sure we'll talk about uh, the Tokyo Joshi Korokuin. Uh Hopefully we'll have seen the Ice Ribbon Korokuin by the time the next episode comes around. But yeah, regardless, there's going to be a lot to discuss. Uh, so make sure you're following us on Twitter at Audio. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Taylor's at Tay Mambo. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you use. Give us a five-star rating and review if you use the Apple Podcast app. And if you'd like to donate to the show, uh, just to say thanks, you can go over to redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. Uh, I think that covers everything. Make sure you check out Taylor's article on Voices of Wrestling, uh, the primer to the Japanese side of AW Women's Tournament bracket. Uh, I know you've just listened to this episode. You heard us talk about it, but he's also listed like matches in there that you can check out. So there's uh, lots of stuff. It's still worth going to check out. And if you need even more info about the AW women's tournament, the Japanese side of the bracket, uh, head over to the everything elite Patreon, patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. And, uh, next week or on Monday, which I guess will be the same day you're listening to this. Um, there will be an episode on the EE Patreon with 
Taylor and I talking in more depth about uh, the Japanese side of the bracket. So check that out. All right. Anything else you want to add, Taylor, before we go? I think we covered it all. (laughs) I think that's what you say at the end of every episode. (laughs) Well, because every episode we cover it all. That's why. We do. We cover it all here on Jumping Bomb Audio. All right. Well, that's it then. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.